Hey guys, welcome to episode 160 of the JV Club. Ugh, I don't know what that was. Uh, I want to welcome you guys in. Um, I'll tell you what, here's one of my favorite funny people, John Ross Bowie. Um, If you are familiar with his beautiful, wonderful, extremely talented wife, Jamie Denbo, um, uh, you will probably be ready, willing, and able to enjoy this episode. If you um, uh, know John and you don't know Jamie, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to Jamie's episode. Um, and uh, overall, I just want to invite you to enjoy yourself. I want to get some shout outs out there, guys. I am catching up. I want to focus mostly on emails I've gotten from people in the last couple of weeks. I want to thank... Um, also, I think I individually responded to each one of you, but my website being down necessitated a total reboot, and I didn't get a lot of the messages that came through to Janet at JanetBarney.com until very recently. So the delay... Uh, was due to that, guys. But I do want to thank, um, of course, my sweet Rebecca for uh, reminding me that I'm a meaningful person. And in general, guys, a lot of you have reminded me via Twitter, Facebook, and email that I am meaningful following Mark Evan Jackson's wonderful episode. Uh, so thank you for that. I'm feeling very meaningful and very deep, heavy, contented, sigh indeed. Uh, I want to thank Damon for your awesome Mary Birdsong email. I want to thank Chiaki. Great to hear from you. Uh, Mary Jo, Oliver, and Christine sent me some great guest recommendations. Thank you for that. Stephen uh, McPee, always like to get your feedback. Evan, Mary Rose, Drew, uh, Sean, Markey, and Janae and her beautiful wife. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, News-wise, I would just maybe throw out to you that I'm going to be at the Connecticon Comic-Con um, the second week, uh, weekend of July. And then following that, I'll be at the Vancouver Comic-Con and I'll also be doing the JV club at LA Podfest. So, um, guys, that feels like a lot of news. I'm going to leave you with that and welcome you in. Uh, I will talk to you soon. Good day to you. Now entering Nerdist.com. unloaded psychologically to the point where we're, we'll come up totally dry. It will just be like a really Sedates. empty... Seen any good movies? Super, super positive. Yeah, we're just going to talk about Seen Pitch any Perfect good movies? Pitch Perfect. I haven't seen Pitch Perfect 1. I can't speak to oh, either. Pitch Perfect 1's good. Are they good? Uh, Pitch Perfect 1's good. Okay, great, great, yeah. great. But you've seen both. Yes. Good to know. Perfect. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we live in a world where I guess you have to be like conscious of people. All of our friends are in all of the movies that we do or do not see. Right. <laughs> um, got it. Got it. Understood. Uh, God, have you seen any of I never talk about movies on the. Well, I, that's not true. I guess I talk about movies, but not in a I mean, sort what of. What am I saying? I mean, I, I went out of my way, got a sitter so I could go see Fury Road. Um, I don't even know what Fury Road is. Uh, the Mad Max movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I've never seen any of the Mad Maxes. Oh, they're entertaining. They're the very Mad Max entertaining. Eye. I don't know what the plural is. The Mad Max Eye. Uh-huh. Uh, Maxim? Mac- mm-hmm. No, Max Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, what I've seen is I've seen all the children's films that are out. Uh, of course, uh, of course. Repeatedly. Are you so excited when something like a Pixar movie comes out and you know that there's going to be something for you? In oh, it yeah. Oh, like, yeah. That's got to become like Mecca. of. Yeah, well, you of, sit like... through like a million Rio 2s before you <laughs> get to like an Inside Out, which I'm told is very good and I'm dying to see it. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's great. Yeah, because you do, you're going to see, you're going to spend a lot of Saturday afternoons with your kids at these movies. and uh, Did, But we did we have that? Like, were there that many bad... Did I see a bunch of bad movies with my parents? Because I don't remember that. No. I you, feel like we saw The Muppet Movies. We, and that's the all Muppet there was. Movie, and that's all there was, really. Maybe you sat through a Benji movie, which weren't very good. Or I'm just a dash yeah. older than you, and I think that might be No, better. I remember Benji, but I don't even really remember caring about Benji. Well, they also were very, very busy buying, buying cigarettes in cases of Tab. That's right. And... <laughs> And as such, uh, I'm not saying that I wasn't a priority, but uh-huh. like they were just like, we're going to sit down, we're going to watch the local news. Right. <laughs> in the 70s in New York, oh, John. So God. let me explain Nothing how the son of Sam works. There. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? To just be sort of dunked into. Did you did you feel in that way that you were like the opposite of sort of what we have now, which is like these, you know, the helicopter parents? I don't know, but that's a term that I think we're all tired of. But did you feel like you they, there was a sense of because a lot of the time when on this podcast, because we talk about our childhoods or mm-hmm. our teen years, yeah. there is um, a, a recurrent theme of. You know, I would leave my house on my bike in the morning and I wasn't expected to come back until dinner and no one cared and no one thought anything bad was going to happen. And that somehow that that time has since passed and no one lets that happen anymore. Like, I feel like that's a thing that comes back repeatedly. Yeah. I mean, again, growing up in, in central Manhattan, there was no like, here, get on your bike and just go riding um, because yeah. you're just not going to do that in uh you know, it's not like the the. It was never the suburbs, so there right. was never. But I, I had a little bit more leeway than I would give my kids in that in those circumstances. I was allowed to stay on my block mm-hmm. uh, between Ninth and Tenth Avenue on Forty Fourth Street. But God, you really were right in it. I was, yeah, um, but I couldn't go off the block. I couldn't go on. And one time, I went around the corner to the deli on Ninth uh, <laughs> and Forty Fifth, and I felt so bad that I confessed to my mom and she lost her fucking mind. (laughs) And, you know, in all fairness, like, she had one rule. Just don't don't go off the block. Don't go off the block. Because we had actually kind of a quiet... 44 Street was always kind of a quiet enclave in Hell's Kitchen, and it was was already getting a little yuppie in the 70s, and there were, like... uh, just a lot of like really nice gay guys decorating their apartments up and mm-hmm. down the block, and the actor's studio was on the block. Okay, all right. Um, so it was never like the the uh, this hub of gang activity, right? But um, so the the deal was, you stay on this block and you play with Shepard or the Denabali kids down the street, and that would be it. Um, and uh, someone it, was named Shepard. There, uh, That's pretty yeah, great. his name was Shepard. Shepard's last name. In hindsight, he was kind of a dick, um, <laughs> but um, stupid Shepard. Uh, fucking Shepard. But yeah, you couldn't, uh, you certainly couldn't go on to 10th Avenue and 9th Avenue was just busy and crazy and you, you didn't want to head over there either. So you had these very simple boundaries. The other thing that I, uh, one very, very clear rule, uh, that I had until I left the house at 18 was I was not allowed under any circumstances on 42nd street between 7th and 8th, okay. which was like the big, that's when you see pictures of 42nd street, that's like taxi driver, 42nd street, okay. like that stretch with all the porn theaters yeah. and the grindhouses yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. I was not allowed on that stretch 
And God, it's so close. That is in such close proximity. Yeah. And so, like, I never... And we would do... It was so weird because my, a lot of my friends had that rule. Like, you just don't go on the deuce. Leave that alone. Sure. Um, but we would do other things. Like, we're like, well, let's go, you know, let's uh, go up and see a horror movie up in Harlem instead. And, and that'll be really exciting. And we would do that instead. And that right. was... That was uh, that was our, our, our little our vicarious thrill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was our bug chasing at the time. But God, that is still so much more over the top thrill chasing than, you know, somebody who's growing up in the suburbs and the, their version of that is, I don't know what. I mean, I guess maybe it's like meth. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you it's know? meth. Maybe it's meth. I didn't do, I mean, there were, I mean, the, the thing was, is like, then how come there were these kids in my high school who were also doing angel dust? I was like, what? <laughs> this isn't exciting enough for you? We take our life into our hands every time we get on the subway. Yeah. I forgot uh, about angel dust. Yeah, yeah. What's angel dust? Is it related to heroin in some way? No, it's a it's a hallucinogenic. First of all, it is upper. the most pleasant sounding next to ecstasy. Oh yeah, but the where they really is- were just like, listen, we're just going to call it a state of mind that is the, the best state of mind you could possibly be in. Very smart marketing to call it ecstasy. Ecstasy's branding is is it's across the board perfect. <laughs> angel crazy. dust, from all accounts, is not okay. It should be okay, called yeah. apparently hell fever or something. Okay. From is it so? I, it's sort of a, a crack equivalent in terms of like don't or PCP like don't mess. It with is that. PCP. Oh, what is PCP? Angel dust is PCP. What does PCP stand for? I uh, used to know actually. Phenos. Yeah. Um, something or other sounds um, right sounds but right it's a um it's a hallucinogen that is usually either cut with speed or is filled with actual right. supposed to be filled with speed so where so you don't know you, what the fuck's yeah. going on and, and you've got all the energy in the yeah, world yeah, to deal yeah, with yeah. it yeah that is a terrible combination it's a terrible combination because at least with like all the lsd that i did it wasn't a motivating drug it wasn't like I didn't. Ne- I mean, you could just sit around and do nothing, but like right. the most you would do would just be to wander right, aimlessly right. and touch things well, that other people would be like, "There's no need to cut- touch that." I don't know why you're fascinated by that. Jamie and I took uh, shrooms and went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. Oh, great! What a yeah. great use of it, all yeah, of it. exactly. You know, yeah. and nobody is ever going to look back at that. And go, God, I wish I hadn't done that. Right. But you never hear anybody like get nostalgic about angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> You really don't like. I you, remember when I stabbed that guy in the face with a toothpick at Denny's. Uh, Boy, I really I thought, thought I he could was fly, Satan. and there was a plate glass window, and uh, good times. It was a simpler time. Oh wow! Ed Koch's New York. That's right. <laughs> God, I real. I guess I forgot that you were straight up Manhattanite. I forgot you were you were raised Mormon. So I know. we got that in common. These things to get back together on. We had were Mormons you, in New York. I dated a Mormon. You dated a Mormon in New York City. Yeah, that is and that I'm does seem rare. I'm still friends with her. She, um, uh, they belong to the temple that's right across from uh, Lincoln Center. Now that's a very Jewish thing to say, uh, because we don't have temples unless you're getting married in them. Oh well, pardon fucking me. They're building uh, right, right across from... I think from... it's... God, what is the name? I mean, I guess it's just a church. It's just a church. You're right. But like if she went to... But inside the church, you go... Like you sort of divide up. I'm not going to get too into that uh, way it all works. But I've, I'm sure I've said this word before because I'm always fascinated by it. But you sure. belong to a ward. That's it. Right? Yes. So her ward was... She probably shared the building with another ward. And so she would go at a certain time, like based on the neighborhood. Oh, I bet that's Where she case. was. Yeah. I don't remember... I'm sure there's more than one Mormon church in New York. The only one I can think of is that one across from... Lincoln I mean, Center. I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't many. In San Francisco, I was like... I only know of one. That's like one in San Francisco, one in the East Bay. I don't oh, right. think that they're like... That's it's not like Tucson where... Sure. There's a large population that, you know... Requires multiple buildings. Well, I mean, just the you know the New York stereotype of everybody comes there is 
is accurate. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, they had a, they had a, 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 not a thriving community, but there were a few of them. Upon, yeah. Uh, upon Hanging 70s. off for dear life amidst <laughs> the crazy seventies and eighties of glitzy and crappy New York. There was a part of me, I mean, that relationship didn't last very, very long. And then, you know, we took a little time. Is this off in high school? This was high school. Were um, your parents like, you need to date a Jewish girl? I'm not Jewish. That is oh my God. Popular it's a, I totally, I totally thought it you were. It is a super popular misconception. Why did I think that even oh, come Jamie, on. Oh, come on. I mean, I guess I just didn't. You know why you thought. Because look, you should. Look at me. You don't look Jewish to me. People tell me I do. Really? And I that's play, not I play it. Jews so often Well, maybe on that's just all it is. But like, also, I, I know Jamie to be Jewish, so well, we sort of think about that. She, yeah, it's a second or third thing. And she's fascinated by the fact that She's this blonde with uh, sure. a tiny little nose, and I'm her Gentile husband. Got and it. She just she loves that. <laughs> She's obsessed with She's the fact that like, I'm it. a Jew. He isn't. Is that crazy? <laughs> um, no, I was raised Episcopalian, and oh, okay. um, but, but but I was raised in New York, and you know it, another stereotype that's true is we're all vaguely Jewish. Like I know Puerto Rican guys who speak a smattering of Yiddish because you just do. Yeah, you just it's immersion therapy. I mean, I um, guess it is. A, that's a real case of you. That is a real case of you have. You have so many uh, just random characteristics that you have no control over, be them environmental or yeah. marriage or, you know, all of that kind of stuff that, like, it really does drop you right into the middle of, like, well, I assume he's Jewish. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, 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 I feel shame that I also went along with that. But oh, I no, guess don't, I just, don't at yeah. all. Seriously, because it's such I, honestly, a popular even, misconception. I even thought that... I really even thought that, like, I knew that you were. It's so oh, funny. most people do. It's it so is, funny, And though. it's so weird, too, because everyone What are your parents? Did your parents... Are your parents like, I don't know why everyone thinks my son's Jewish? Um, uh, my... My father, who spoke a ton of Yiddish, uh, my father was like multilingual, which was super annoying because I have no gift for foreign languages. <laughs> um, uh, he was he he adored Jamie and uh, was thoroughly thrilled when we got married under a hoopa, and he was totally into that. And my my mom just shrugs it off, you know. My mom's just like, oh, this is what people think my son's Jewish. He plays Jewish all the time. I, the craziest thing that ever happened was I auditioned for a, a, an Oxygen movie of the week back when they were doing Oxygen Lucky. movies of the week for a character named Dr. Chan. And I was oh. like, talked to my agent. I was like, I, I, I have to go in for this, do I? And they were like, they want to see everybody. They want to see they everybody. They really mean it this time. And I'm like, okay, they say that. They have to say that by law. The guy's right. name is Dr. Chan. Right. I go in. This is like 10 or 12 years ago. And like... Masioka, Randall Park, all sure, these guys sure. who I know, and they're all like, the fuck are you yeah. doing here? <laughs> Hit the road, Bowie, beat traffic. And that's what I said. They want to see everybody. So yeah. I book it, of course, because there's of no point in, explain, in telling the story if, unless I book it at the end. And uh -huh. I am praying to God that they're going to keep the name Dr. Chan and yeah. just never comment on yes, it. Yes, yes. They change it to Lipschitz. Oh, of course they did. They changed it to Lipschitz. Of course they did. Dr. Lipschitz. The most hilarious Jewish name. The most hilarious they Jewish name. possibly yeah. pull. Unless you're going to make something up like Jewberg. It's just, you know, <laughs> you have to go with Lipschitz. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, preposterous. Preposterous. Uh, it was um, uh, Janine Garofalo, Swizzy Kurtz. <laughs> um, I love everything I'm hearing. Listen, yeah. I love both of those ladies. What oh, a great yeah. movie of the week. What oh, was, was it about? It was uh, Nadine in Dateland and Janine Garofalo, who I don't think was very happy to be there, was... Um, she may not have been. Um, was a uh, ran a dating service uh -huh. and uh, but couldn't find love herself. 
boy, that's every other pilot that that's you read correct. during pilot season that also. That's correct. Uh, the only thing I can say for it, this this was 2005. It was way ahead A little ahead of, of its time. Way ahead. Lisa so Bounds. We have that. But yeah, uh, Dr. Chan became Dr. Lipschitz because Dr. everyone Chan. just thinks it's easier to sure. make me Jewish. Sure. And I... Uh, did you have that? Was that something that... I mean, because when you sort of land in LA, it's very easy to get pigeonholed anyway. And some of that you sort of people can like fight tooth and nail against and some of it becomes like, eh, you know what? I'm just gonna, that's, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean the only but thing, like, Oh, you go ahead. Well, no, the only thing worse than being typecast is not being cast. And I do firmly believe there you that, go. but there yeah, you right. Go. Like within a month and a half, I booked a pilot, uh, with a character, uh, named of Wally Berman. Yeah. And Wally Berman had, uh, all sorts of jokes. Uh, I, I, I definitely had a joke about how I, uh, I couldn't fit into my bar mitzvah suit anymore. Perfect. Um, but yeah, he was just Wally Berman was just who I was, right? Like within a month and a half of arriving in Los did Angeles. Did you but and so my question is, did you anticipate that? Like was that something is that something that Hollywood oh, has created in your it? marriage? Do I show up in with high a prayer school? Shawl, or what are you asking? <laughs> no, but like in high school, like is that a product of the typecasting of Hollywood or is it or or was that something that like did anyone think you were Jewish when you were in high school like that you yeah. just met all that kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I was friends with Ben Posnack and Matt Israel, and 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 I just kind of blended in. And these these were this was my crew. Yeah, and uh, um, Jim Nacklin, um, who was technically not because his mom was was uh, his mom was uh, uh, Doctor McCoy, so we called her Bones. So that was awesome. Of course, he did perfect. <laughs> he, was a, he was a dentist named Doctor McCoy. That's beautiful. Um, but um, but yeah, I was just. Um, uh, the, the girl I dated for like most of my twenties, like 18 to 27 actually was, she was Jewish and I just, it's just, uh, it, does it sound weird to say I'm just really comfortable around Jews? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I, this is, I, there, I know, I don't know, dancing around the sort of like cultural do's and don'ts or, or what's PC and what's not. I don't really know what, to, how to answer that, but. Uh, particularly as you know, someone who looks like I do, um, but I, like I you should be ushering my wife into I a cattle car. <laughs> God, this is really a great companion <laughs> podcast to Jamie's. Um, but I always, I mean, I definitely dated Jewish boys yeah. in high school. Those were the guys I was attracted to. While they were artistic were, while and you funny. Were practicing Mormon. I was never. I mean, was I practicing? Did okay. I ever believe it? No, I okay. did. I was forced to go to church right. on Sundays because that's when my mom had custody of me. Okay, but oh, um, but I didn't. I didn't identify as Mormon, and that certainly wouldn't have been the right. objection that you know right. my my boyfriend's moms had. They the only objection would just be that I wasn't Jewish. Not right. that I was anything, but you know, yeah, anything but not Jewish was was not great. But um, but like I feel like there was a point in time in which I was like, I mean, I would convert. Really? Like, I just thought it was a be. I loved the culture of it. I loved bar and bat mitzvahs. I felt like I could relate to that relationship to God somehow better than I would somewhere else until I had none at all or no interest at all. But, you know, it was sort of like understandably appealing. I like, I loved all my friends, Jewish parents. Like yeah. it just, it, it felt like very, and even now I get, I, when I go, when we do shows at the JCC, um, oh, yeah. in San Francisco f- through Sketchfest, oh, yeah, sure. I go there and, uh, and I and I have like a real sense of like longing for the the director makes fun of me because I'm like I just I want to come here with my I'm not, hmm. well it's hard when you're when you're here's a a, a long overdue uh, answer to to the question is when you're 13 and suddenly 
your friends are men and women. Sure. It's that is striking. Yeah. And you are and like I had a confirmation in the Episcopal Church, which is not the same thing. Well, what is the confirmation? The confirmation like- is um I'm not even sure what it's it's honestly supposed to mean. It's just that you're old enough and I did it when I was around fourteen, thirteen, around yeah. in that pocket. Uh, you're old enough to identify as a Christian, as an Episcopalian, okay, yeah. and um, uh, you—it's uh, sort of like a kind of like a second baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, you're but, an adult now, and you're actively choosing, yeah, which probably. You but still there's are. no party, and there's no DJ, and yes. they don't throw down the way Jonathan Cram did when he rented <laughs> when the Crams rented the last Automat on 42nd Ooh. Street and Third, and we had a massive party there yeah. that was you know with streamers and you know Mylar balloons because again 1982 83 sure um, uh, so that was I mean that was something yes um, yes this, uh, this uh, Pee Wee confirmation yeah, bullshit it was not not interesting so it's hard not to kind of look through the the window and be like what's going on there you guys have yeah. a party <laughs> yeah uh, and um, and then there's something about about the sort of reform Judaism that um, that I, I that is in my life right now that's very questioning, you mm-hmm. know, and very seeking answers. And you know, okay, this is what the Torah says. What does that mean in right. 2015? And that's kind of interesting to me. And you don't find that. Well, level. it doesn't feel as fear based. Yes, you know. Yes, it's like also, we're not. No we're not. Hey, you know what? We're not afraid to find out that maybe this isn't exactly what we thought it was, or this is maybe there's a new way we need to look at this because you know of this, this, and this. Like that's D- very debate exciting. and inquiry are kind of built into the absolutely, faith, and that's really interesting. And I think if you, especially I mentioned, if you were raised Mormon adjacent, yeah, that's got to be incredible. Which is a appealing. which is a, a good example of a religion that's like oh, by all means ask questions, and so you sort of do. There's a lot of like. Baitens for me right. anyway personally, right. and sure. I know we have I have Mormon listeners, and I welcome you to argue with me. But for me, there's a little bit of a bait and switch that happens, which sure. is like, oh no, no, we identify more with like Judaism, or we identify with Reform Jew, or we you know we identify with these sort of more contemporary versions of things um, in X, Y, and Z ways. Old, because so. we're 25 <laughs> minutes old, exactly. Um, and we're, you know, we're, no, we're like, like, ask quite, listen, that's how our church got started is Joseph Smith was like, I don't know if any of these religions are right for me. And that's how he got this message from God. And, you know, Mormons have a personal relationship with God in a way that, um, is very American. I say this all the time when right. I talk about Mormonism, but it feels very American to be like, listen, I could get a revelation tomorrow. And granted, there's a person who's in constant contact with God who has the big granddaddy revelations that affect the church. Right. But like, you know, that's why there are these Mormon sects that break off where people are like, actually, I'm the prophet. Right. Because everyone kind of, it's like, it is sort of like the streets are lined with gold. It's like, in Mormonism, everyone's in charge. Kind of. Right. Kind of. I mean, except for women, they don't have the priesthood. But right. there's a sense of and kind of... I mean, it's, <laughs> a, well, it's, it's speaking a of thing. not ahead of the curve, uh, <laughs> behind every curve. But yeah, the sense of sort of like, you should totally ask questions. Right. And then you're like, well, why this? And then they're like... The answer will be revealed in time. Oh, wow, that's you know what I mean. Okay, so it was okay for me to ask, but like I shouldn't expect an answer. Got it. You know what I mean. So ask away. It's its own little thing. We reserve the right to not comment. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. Well, not to make this poor girl in uh, high school. Not to make you tell her life, but um, did you guys? I mean, no. Did, okay, um, so she was uh, uh, she was addressing it enough that yeah, she was she not going to have sex. Enough. And I, and I think I was I was. Uh, we were uh, drawn to each other because um, 
I was straight edge in high school, and mm-hmm. obviously she was too. Tada! So we had that in common. So that's a different, and that obviously that's very different than just being sort of like square, like being straight edge is, uh, or, it or, or an, was it? In, it, it, has has it, it I mean, it is ultimately just being square, but it has an it, in the in New York in the music 80s. and dressing in a certain way. What, was, what, what did that entail? I mean, I was I was listening to like a lot of the hardcore that was going on at the time in New York, mm-hmm. uh, like Youth of Today and Side by Side and stuff like that. That was all straight edge hardcore. So I had. That sort of it was just a way of uh, of being square, but sort of draping it in cool I clothes. I love that. Yeah. I don't think that I spent enough time, nor have I ever talked about it enough, for how much I'm realizing in this exact moment that I really love that. I kind of love. <laughs> Because I did all the drugs and stuff, and like I, I wouldn't change anything in the sense that like I'm comfortable with who I am now. But I think part of that was attached, obviously, to like all of the stuff I was into. Yeah. And friends of mine who were straight edge, even then, I definitely didn't turn my nose up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I had friends who were very squeaky clean, mm-hmm. who were great students, who were kind of religious. That I did sort of go like, like I looked down. <laughs> I didn't look down on, but I feel I condescended to in the way teenagers condescend towards another. Yeah, where it's just, yeah, where it's just like, oh, yeah, you don't really know like what's going on. Like artistically, (laughs) you're probably not allowing yourself to grow. And I didn't feel that about my straight edge friends. My straight edge friends, I was like, you have an identity that's like, you're very confident and you're like into a lot of the music I'm into, but you're just like, fuck drugs. Right. And I I, I absolutely respected that, you know? It's and a it, great way to deliver that message in a way that's still like it feels speaking of like great marketing and ecstasy, it feels like oh, thank God someone figured that out. I don't know who that brilliant. person was, but great. And it also by the time I was in high school it gave me this incredible marketing uh, uh, bargaining tool with mm-hmm. my parents in mm-hmm. the sense like you know that I'm coming home just smelling of sweat. Yeah. That's it. I'm yeah. at, I'm out at CB's till two o'clock in the morning, but it's okay because I have my wits about me. I think that's great. And uh, uh, everything else is fine. And that gave me an inordinate amount of leeway yeah. um, to wander around 80s New York yeah. just because I wasn't getting fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, and that, that bought me a lot of time. But I did the whole when- thing where like I put the... Um, I put the uh, X on my hand sure, with the Sharpie, and sure. I, 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 I kind of committed to it. Yeah. And like honestly, I mean, at, in, especially in high school, when you, when you're as malleable as you are, and like you know, I certainly would get really excited about whatever my friend that I had a crush on, you know, as a friend crush would be, or sure, the boy sure. that I was, you know, had a crush on, or the girl that I had a crush on, or whatever it was. I definitely. I feel like I was one person away from becoming straight edge. Like I probably could have, you know what I mean? If yeah. I'd fallen for someone in mm-hmm. whatever way right. that, uh, that I got intimate with on some level, I easily could have been like immediately transformed oh, into yeah. like, I'm done. I'm done with all that stuff, guys. Now I'm straight edge. Right. <laughs> um, but how did you, how did that come to be for you? How did you end up with that X on your hand? I wasn't um i was simply just not drinking and not smoking pot and uh wanted to own that in a way and uh a um oddly enough a pothead punk rocker in my bio class in ninth grade turned me on to minor threat and uh, said oh these guys are like that they have a song called straight edge and it was part of the straight edge movement there were there was a sect of the uh, straight edge movement that wouldn't even have sex and i was like well that's crazy that's, uh-huh. that's something I, I, I need to put a lot of my energy towards that <laughs> That's, By dating a Mormon girl. That's correct. Well, you know, the, the Mormon thing came between a couple of other young ladies. But uh-huh. the um, 
And I should I should mention at this point that the Mormon girl had impeccable taste in music, and she just moved from Seattle, so she oh, got nice. me into the Unfresh Fellows before anybody knew who they were. She got yeah. me into uh, I want to say Soundgarden, all these great bands before um, nice. before I, I uh, the Posies before anybody else uh, was talking about them. So she was a, a Mormon with impeccable musical taste. She still she still does, um, but the the straightage thing was just. I found it because I was doing it anyway, and I just wanted to give mm-hmm. it a name. Yeah. You know, and that was, uh, and it was, but I was still. Did I you have still, lots of friends in different groups anyway? Like, yeah, obviously, you yeah, know. Yeah, I was friends with the Deadheads, uh, some of whom eventually started dabble in heroin. And oh, my God. The, uh, some, of the, oh, uh, some of the other punk rocker kids were, were not straight edge at all. Right. And um, the, uh, uh, yeah, I had all sorts of. It was sort of a, a United Nations of, of weirdos at my high school. So. You, I mean, that is really God. It's it, I am I am still holding on to this fascination with the idea of because I'm trying to think I've ever had anybody who straight up was from New York. I mean, you know, you know, so many of our friends that are from New Jersey or from right. you know, for be from Long Island, they'll be from someplace right. where they come into the city a lot, but there's still the separation and a real sense of division between. I guess. Well, you know who the only person I can think of is um, is Zandi Hardig, uh, David Wayne's yeah. wife. She was yeah. definitely a Manhattanite, but I think her world was very sort of. She went to private school, buttoned down. I want to say yeah. she went to. Did she go to Friends? She's pretty. I think she so might I feel have. Like she went to ah, that's seminary. great. Um, I think she may have. I can't quite remember, but we've, that's I've had very the talk with few. Her. Yeah, very few people I know who really. Um, I mean, I guess the sort of, as long as we're speaking in cliches, and I'm assuming you're Jewish, I'll also say that there does <laughs> seem like, based on what you described in 42nd Street, all that, you know, there was definitely like, there's a, a very seedy element and a very dangerous element to Tucson, Arizona, because it's near the border. And it's sure. I think it's like always near the top of like high crime cities. Yeah. Um, and certainly the magnet schools that I went to were like not in good neighborhoods and you weren't supposed to leave campus and right. all that kind of stuff. But I still feel like the difference between that and just like really being in Manhattan, like you're seeing in the same way that you do in any kind of metropolitan city where you're taking public transport, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you're just kind of dropped into it in such a different way. Do you feel like the kids around you and yourself had a, a maturity level that just comes with being exposed to like everything good and bad and in a more direct way? I, I guess you I, don't know. You wouldn't know. How I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's the other thing is that people are always like, "What was it like growing up in New York?" And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it was like growing up in Swampscott, yeah, Massachusetts. That's what it, it was. What it was, which is where my, my wife is from. Um, I, what I can tell you is that yeah, I got mugged when I was eight on one hand, and on the other hand, I took a date to the opera in my senior year of high oh, school. Yeah, because you can do both of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> both of those things: getting mugged when you're eight and taking a, a, a date to see Rigoletto at the Met are both possible. To me, that does seem. It's funny because the only opera I've ever seen in New York was Rigoletto. Uh, yeah. recently it's a hit um it's, i guess it's, you're right it's, it's i guess you're right it's not like yeah. a, the rarest thing in the world um but yeah i mean i think that does answer the question because that does but i don't speak know that... to both things i mean that's just like getting used to the idea of something that some people spend their whole lives not being used to which is like you can be mugged or you know you can go to the i don't know that's the way i'd phrase it though i, I, I would be very hesitant to, to use the word maturity. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I would use... No, that's... You're right. There's Experience a tendency to just get than... used to crazy shit. Yeah. And yeah. There, I remember when I would go to a camp in Connecticut 
Um, and we would, uh, the, the camp itself was in Ivoryton, but we'd go on these little five day hiking trips, like along like little chunks of the Appalachian trail or whatever, all these great little Northeastern mountain ranges. And it would be some kids from New York, some kids from like Westchester County, some kids from suburban Connecticut. And once we got onto the trail, it was the suburban kids who were complaining the most because the mm. New York kids were like, "What? Well, we're uncomfortable. What's new? You know? Right, right, right. Well, yeah, my feet hurt. Big deal. <laughs> you know, this, this is a thing. This is life. I don't, yeah. you know. So it wouldn't, again, I wouldn't say maturity, but there's like an early level of jadedness or, that yeah. comes over, you know. Absolutely. It's just like, this is uncomfortable. This is this is the life to which we are born. Right. Well, <laughs> do you feel like there's a, there, there's a sense of... Um, distrust too that comes from seeing more or is it like there's the, a cynicism I, think. I mean i guess i'm da- i'm tap dancing around neurosis too because there oh, yeah, is a sort totally of cliche neurosis. of there's, new york neuroses jewish or not but oh yeah there's a there's a uh that's another thing i think why people think i'm jewish is that i am i am a nervous wreck and but you know I, what i don't you 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 perpetuate that on purpose i think you do the same thing i do which is whatever quality i'm most embarrassed of i will be the first to say something about to own it and to be like, let's just... I would let, rather I talk would, about it yeah. than to have people talk about it behind my back. Right. Or like, I'd like but to But what's be, funny is that I never get a sense from you that all, the only thing I can ever... And I, I grant you, we haven't spent a ton of time together, but we have known each other a long time. I don't have any sense of you as actually being the thing that you're joking about. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... I have friends who joke about how neurotic they are. And I so see guarded. it all the time. Because I'm so guarded. Oh, good job, though. Thank you. Thank you. Because um, uh, now you've created this character for yourself <laughs> yeah. that is totally Heck hiding yeah. a real thing. Yeah. But it is effectively hiding it. Because I'm yeah. like, I don't know why he says he's so neurotic. I never see that. You oh. know what I mean? All, all I see is him joking about it. Well, I've got, I mean, listen, I've definitely gotten better. And it's through, you know, talk therapy and living in Southern California yeah. has definitely taken an edge off. Yeah. Um, it is uh, It is easier to live. Live. I mean, my kids were out front uh, of uh, our house the other day, just like playing around, and uh, I could just couldn't imagine letting them do that in in contemporary New York, and it mm. just felt. And it, Southern California has just calmed me down a lot. You know, yeah. that's another cliche that I'm leaning into. Yeah. But it's uh, I'm here 13 Why years not? now, and it's a lot easier to kind of keep a cool head and, yeah. and relax. And if it gets really hairy, you can drive an hour and a half and be in the desert, right? And right. Talk to God. That's right. Absolutely. Those Joshua <laughs> yeah. trees. The yeah. Joshua trees. Get out there and paint yourself. I mean, you really can if you need to. Um, <laughs> but and, and so, how did that? Did it? take its shit and uh, i mean i guess this is pretty personal but like you are asking fascinating questions well i appreciate that i'm a, i'm i'm fascinated by you in a good way <laughs> um uh seen any good movies lately no um but like in terms of neuroses and and that kind of stuff um is that what am i trying to say this really does feel like a therapy question but i i can answer it also like i know okay. why i'm asking okay. this question is it like Okay, here's the thing. For me as a teenager especially, and the ways in which I've become less neurotic over time um, uh, were more internalized. It was more for me about, and I think everyone can relate to this, and we all hold on to it sometimes more than we think that we're going to, which is like you're in high school and you sort of hope that as an adult you're not going to have these qualities. And you do, but you just live with them differently or you get over it or whatever. But mine were more internal about, you know, what does this person think? Did I upset this person? Am I blank enough? Am I not blank enough? Or am I um, like that sort of worrying? But it wasn't like, 
I'm afraid that I'm going to get mugged or I'm going to afraid that uh, I'll get an illness or I'm afraid. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I'm it's wondering both. if yours were both or yeah. Because, you both. know, some people don't, their internal monologue is less about, it's more about, oh my God, something bad could happen to me rather than, oh, I did something wrong. Do you it's, know what I mean? It's the, 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 it's both. They're both delicious and horrible. Yeah, and you, you, you are not exempt. You would think that you would be exempt from the high school stuff because you have the real world New York stuff of right. like, oh, we got robbed. Oh, my mom's boss is dying of AIDS. All like the New York shit that yeah. you had to contend with in the 80s. But instead, you have that to contend. But you're also still a teenager. Yeah. And you're still like, it's killing you this girl hasn't called you back. Yes, and yes. It's, it's killing you that you might have offended this friend. Yeah. And it's not like... It's not like some sort of hierarchy of needs where like, oh, I don't have time to worry about these, you know, these little social faux pas. I've got like real life and death shit. No, yeah. you're just going to worry about both. Yeah. Or at least I Boy, did. That at really, least I did. I would have too. I would have too. I was such a hypersensitive person. I can't imagine if I had more put in front of me than I already had. I don't even know. It I was, don't even know. Yeah, it was, it was, it's strange and, and kind of exhausting. Um, sure. Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, but you, absolutely, it's still, it's still high school. Yeah. And you're still, um, you know, you're still worried about grades and you're still worried about um, uh, being cool and, uh, and indeed what that even means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and then on top of that, you do that thing where you keep your keys sticking out between your fingers <laughs> oh, on sure. your right hand, which may or may not be effective. It probably I've never had to use it. More. I've, yeah. I've never I've never what actually. What happened when you were eight? I got shoved up against a wall, and they said, "Who's got money? Who's got money?" Which was at the time code for "Hi, I'll be your mugger today." <laughs> and I, I I turned over my wallet, oh my which God. had like two dollars and a library card oh, in it, no. and I was like, "I mean, enjoy. <laughs> Here you oh, go." But no. you know, I. I mean, if it's just about the thrill of the kill, then you got it. But Who you're not going to get. How old were they? Your age? Or were no, they, they were like... older. They were. Good but God. I mean, when I say older, they could have been twelve or thirteen. Right. Right. You know, I don't, I don't uh, know. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is that is a sort of overblown version of the school bully. It's like life bully. Yeah. In a very real way, in a real circumstance, it's not in any way suspended inside. There's like... the teensiest chance you can report a school bully. That's whose right. Whose name you know? Yeah. To the principal. But this shit is just like what? Oh God! <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Well, and so that's well. The, I think the the key word of saying it's exhausting is like it, that is that resonates so much because that's something that I think if you have a propensity for that above and beyond when high school ends and some of those things cling on or get worse, you right, know, uh, right. depending on who you are and what you go through, um, that is that is the exhaustion is what I kind of remember most and almost is the thing that motivates or motivated me to like get help or to get out of that because it does become like the 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 passiveness of the exhaustion leading to suicide is like so understandable in a way and i think some people think like you're just like you know that there's a sort of like passion to suicide which there can be too but i think so, i mean friends of mine that i've lost i feel like they were just like i'm just so tired i'm I remember, so tired um, when uh i had a friend who lived in the west beth which is an apartment complex in like the lower lower west side down in the meatpacking district um deep like deep deep west village and it was a an artist apartment building and is there something little... called west beth entertainment yeah 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 okay and there's a theater in the ground floor yeah there we go and That's it was always, it was always artists who lived there and they all lived in these funky little lofts and i remember uh visiting them the first time my friend was like oh yeah diane arbus uh killed herself 
here. Holy shit. And I, so that's how I found out who Diane Arbitz was. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, all right, that's a, that's a, that's a lot for me to process as I'm 16 years old. But, yeah. um, but it was the first time that it was like being at sort of a crime scene, you know, um, or that kind of crime scene. Cause by that point I'd walked by the Dakota and like, this is where John Lennon was killed yeah. and that's a whole thing. But, but this was like someone killed themselves here. Yeah. And like, what gets you there, yeah, you know? And then yeah. you, you look at her photos, you're like, well, she had a, she was really drawn to the really awful shit in this world, or at least the yeah. really kind of weird, depressing stuff in this world. And, and, uh, yeah, I think I, 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 I as a teenager, as a college student, I had that kind of like uh, aloof, like, oh, you know, suicide's a coward's way out. And there is a part of me that still feels that way. But at the same time, I also understand it's like, it's just exhausting. And yeah. just the fear just becomes too much. Yeah. I think that's that's a great, because I get upset. I get, I, 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 I guess I don't really get that angry anymore about a lot of different points of view as I would have in the past. Right. But like, I definitely was would have been the person if we got into that argument um 10 years ago that would have refused to even see it that way which i still sort of i mean i i always say like you're using logic from the point of view of a person who can still see it that way and that most of the time if you're at a place where like you want to take your own life you're not right. you're not living in a place where logic and reason yeah. really exist anymore and so yeah. i do still feel that but i also feel like what a gr- maybe that's a great way for an anxious person to view suicide because if you didn't then you would be kind of uh idealizing it you know what i'm yeah. saying and so I won't, now I won't that i'm thinking about it, it i'm like well yeah you know what in this and i've never thought about it before but like fuck yes if you're a person who has anxiety and feels exhausted by anxiety or or depression but can still see suicide as a coward's way out. Embrace that. Don't right. fall over onto that side. Yeah, I don't romanticize you know what I'm suicide. Saying? I just have a certain yeah. amount of empathy for, like, you know, the the people who uh, the people who have who've decided who've made that that flawed yeah. decision. You know. Yeah. Um, good times. <laughs> I know. There was a kid. I m- I may have mentioned this before, but there was a kid um, at my school who had had. Attempted to whether or not I don't know the circumstances of like how much he had attempted it. I.e., was it luck that he got found, or was he going to be found because he didn't really want to? Right. But he had, um, you know, the Frankenstein stitches mm. across his wrists. Really. Um, but there was, like, there was still something. It was like around the time of Heather's. Honestly, the movie Heather's. Yeah, sure. Like there was this sort of. Those questions, I think, were kind of being asked then in the same way. And I had a young uh, listener write to me recently uh, and and tell me that that she's from an area where a lot of fucked up shit has happened and a lot of people took their lives and there was this sort of idea, ideation happening. Oh, there's clusters. Um, and there's happen. clusters, absolutely. That's sort of like mass hysteria, even in small doses. Yeah. But um, but I do remember those, those conversations and that confusion because – when you're kind of attracted to, you know, when you're listening to The Cure or you're listening to whatever <laughs> version of that is now, you know, that there is this sort of like how how far into that darkness do you tip because you need to explore it or because that's where you are before you kind of yank yourself back out and don't go all the way down that road. And I think that's that's a question that we constantly keep asking generally yeah. generationally as that's always going to be a thing right. is like there's this there's, there's this darkness for certain people it comes maybe interesting to them in adolescence or in their 20s as they're emotionally developing more and like coming to understand stuff that you learned when you were eight <laughs> um you know where you're sort of like 
holy shit, how do I feel about being alive? And like, how am I going to contend with some of this stuff that's really tough? And, um, and I don't know the answer to that, but like for everyone, I'm sure it's different, but how far in, how far in do you Diane Arbus it and get right up in front of it? Right. And how far, and then when do you go like, I can't do that anymore or I will start feeling like there's no point. Well, that's, I mean, like I'm also pretty careful about what I let into my head. Yeah. Like I, uh, do you know the songwriter Vic Chestnut? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so Vic Chestnut killed himself a few years ago. And yeah, it was awful, awful, awful. And his last record is a shattering piece of work, mm. and I've got to be in a terrific mood before that goes on. Well, same like, with I need like, to have like people, Elliot Smith, slip. and stuff yeah. like that, where you're, you know, yeah. you know, even I mean, Jesus Christ, he makes uh, uh, fucking Vic Chestnut makes Elliot Smith uh, sound like Tom Jones. It's, uh, <laughs> that's a big. No. Vic Chestnut's hard. Yeah. That last record has a song about suicide called Flirted With You All My Life that is oh, no. devastating. Oh, no. Um, but, um, but that's a good question, though. Uh, the question you asked earlier uh, on a superficial level, what are the kids listening to if not The <laughs> Cure, you know? Because like, when we were growing up in the 80s and you wanted to listen to like sad or dark music – Holy shit. I mean, it was an absolute buyer's market. Yeah, it really was. Um, there was, uh, Bauhaus had broken up by that point, oh my but God. the Smiths were putting out records, yeah. the Cure were putting out records, yeah. and there was the deeper cut goth stuff like Sisters of Mercy and the sure. Sex Game Children and sure. Leibach, if you want to get really dark. Yeah. And uh, like, what what are they doing now, he wonders. A little. There's got to be like a goth subculture that just is not on our radar. I think that's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. I agree with you because I know... If your listeners write in and let you know, please keep I me in I do want to know, and I absolutely will yeah guys even if you just want to tweet with because i don't know i see i see young people around whom by the way i identify with like i think i look like them still you know i still do that thing where like i'll give a nod to somebody (laughs) and they're like they think i'm a soccer mom and i'm like fuck oh dude Um, i'll see like the uh the latino skateboarder with ramones uh shirt on i'm like hey what's up gabba gabba hey like nope don't you're not welcome here you're not welcome here good talk (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it really the sound effect is just them rolling past me (laughs) okay no you're right i don't know what the I don't know what is 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 new is being made anew that would fall into that category that I don't know about and think about. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's stuff that I listen to now that I don't have the same relationship to. Like maybe it's more novel to me or it's more about the music and less about the feeling. I'm just trying to think if it's like because you know you'll hear Interpol or something like that. Oh, maybe there's some yeah. dark shit in there. Yeah, but I that's guess so. Like, that's for me too. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't put me into the place of like I'm gonna go put on my black lipstick. Uh, yeah, are people like listening in their in their dark bedrooms the way you listen to Joy Division thirty right. years ago, who are the right. easiest antecedent to Or Interpol? are you listening to Joy like or is that something that is because there isn't really that version of the 1960s or, you know, the beginning of the 19s or the beginning of the 1970s, obviously in the later 70s, you do get kind of more into like angry punk rock or CBGB stuff yeah. or, you know, but like, was that a product of its time to the point where you are sort of embracing that the same way rockabilly would be embracing a lot of old music? Are Goss listening to Old Cure and Maybe Old that's Smith it. and Old Depeche Mode like and hanging the, uh, on to Maybe Deadheads it. when I was in high school. Yeah. Who were listening to... Who, by to, the way, there are still. You there know, are still Deadheads. Dead there are still Deadheads. Yeah. That's a good question, though. It's a really good question. I wonder if it's just a completely retro movement now. Yeah. Or if there's, like, new stuff. How sad that... I that. don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be, like, a version of Tori Amos. There right? But I don't know who be, that is. Right? It's not like... Because it's not like... It's not Regina Spector. It's what I was going to say. She's like too upbeat. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's funny because I, I um, uh, Jamie, my wife, never had a Smith's phase, and um, for whatever reason, and I'm always like, oh, I should, you know, I should sit her down and play Queen is Dead, but you had to be. He had to be there. Yeah, know? I don't know if that's I'm not going to introduce a, a woman who is, uh, she'll kill me for saying this, who is in her very early 40s, um, to the Smiths. I just don't think that's going to connect me. I heard the Smiths when Sybil Arisman played them for me in her West Village apartment that she shared with her two moms. Amazing. <laughs> and that was like exactly how she put on Real Around the Fountain. <laughs> and that's exactly how you're supposed to be introduced to the Smiths. Absolutely. I mean, that's textbook how we, sh- how we teach someone about the Smiths. And yeah. I don't know if you could... Like here, take a take a break from raising your children and, and <laughs> listen to the headmaster ritual. See if this uh, clicks with you. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, God. For to have that sort of like stuff reflected back to you too. I mean, you have the kind of like I didn't grow up in a place that constantly gets depicted in in movies and film. Mm. Movies and film, like they're different. Well, they kind of are. <laughs> Sometimes things are just movies, not film. Uh, no, but like you know, to see to see stuff reflect back in, in television and stuff. I mean, was that something that you that you lo- look at now and sort of go, um, yeah, a lot of that's right? Or I guess there's so many different versions of what you see, so but it's so interesting to see that reflected back. Yeah, in a way that I just never, you know, uh, we most of us, I'm sure that's why everyone's so curious, is that we have this idea of New York based on what we saw depicted, rather than you know, it's like oh, Woody Allen's New York, oh, Taxi Driver New York, oh, what's Stillman New York, you know? <laughs> um, New York. Um, yeah, well, it's all true, you yeah. know. It's a huge place. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I mean, they always say it's a city of eight million people. I think it's closer to ten now, and. Um, it's a it's sprawling and uh, it changes on a dime and uh, it doesn't change as abruptly as like L.A. or D.C. does where you'll be like walking through a really nice neighborhood. You'll turn. And you're like, oh, shit, what happened? Yeah. New York is a, it's a much more gradual thing. But I remember like. Well, getting back to your question. Uh, yes. You know, uh, there is a lot of accuracy to uh taxi driver you know what is weirdly accurate uh speaking of scorsese uh, uh but underrated scorsese is after hours oh and yeah after God, hours, after hours. Hit something very interesting and very specific about um and it's kind of a it's a very judgmental movie in a lot of ways it's very much like you know we're the normals and right below 14th street is this seething underbelly you know yeah and i remember roger ebert would write about like uh, all the steam that's coming up from the manholes in that movie and how it was like hell lurks just underneath. Sure, and sure. And that's, I think that's a real conscious image, you know? Yeah. Um, but I remember the first time I took a cab down to visit uh, my new friends, my new bohemian friends uh, who lived, um, I was going down to Christopher Street and I felt very much like Griffin Dunn in that movie. Yeah. And I got there and they're like, is it okay? Did your $20 bill fly out the window? I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I'm very comfortable around here. What's, uh-huh. what's happening now? <laughs> um, well, yeah, why are you guys all reading on the road? Alice in Wonderland, I guess it really is. Like, yeah. Very much so that. But yeah, there's stuff about, you know, uh, the, the stuff, the New York films that are made by New Yorkers are very accurate. The yeah. New York films that are not made, made by New Yorkers. Can you smell Yorkers, them a mile away as you're watching it? You're like, no, yeah, hang on. Yeah. You know, I remember there was, a, I was watching uh, my dinner with Andre one time and there's a shot of Wallace Shawn on the subway. 
and uh, it's the subway in 1982 or whatever. And I remember I had this very specific memory of like my mom had to tell me as a little tiny kid to not put my mouth on the hand pole oh, in yeah, the subway. Yeah. She like that had to be explained to yeah. me in this graffiti strewn subway yeah. car that no, don't put your mouth on this thing. <laughs> uh, so that's weird. What's what's what annoys New Yorkers, uh, and this is a, a this is a, a popular thing that is discussed, is when people come and they fuck up the geography. And uh, if you've ever seen Luc Besson's uh, The Professional, yeah. um, Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King, they, they run roughshod over what happens, where everything Agreed. is in New York. And I think that's – I feel the exact same way about San Francisco, which oh, is like a is very mo- film thing mangled. where I'm like, what? Why are they – yeah, it's really easy to sort Have of become – Bullet? Yeah. The bullet yeah. is accurate, right? Yeah. Bullet Bullet's seems pretty, to honor the geography accurate. and yeah. the whole car chase. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah it is. Uh, you're absolutely right. There's and, and almost everything else that's contemporary is just, yeah, just absolutely like will make you crazy if you pay any attention at all. I'm sure. So that's funny. so interesting. And then sometimes in LA, I feel that way. I mean, I'll see something and I'll be like, "No, hold on." Well, it's funny. You were just in Griffith Park. How are you in Venice? Yeah, totally. I, I uh, there's a moment in uh, in Clueless where Dan Hedaya uh, yells at uh, Elisa Silverstone, "Like, I'll see you in 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Everywhere it takes everywhere to get uh, from one place to another in LA it takes 20 minutes." I'm like, that's factually untrue. Even at that time couldn't, of night, I'm not buying that. Couldn't be more untrue. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Even at we're that not time of night, for that bullshit. Falsehood. Yeah. Well, she could take Laurel Canyon because fuck that. It takes one accident to shut that whole thing down yeah i find myself yelling at the tv well that's i mean that's kind of an interesting i guess that's a that's a conversation for another podcast probably someone (laughs) else's but um the just that whole relationship to you know feels like there's obviously there's so many artists living in los angeles there are so many artists living in new york that of course you're going to see those worlds depicted for one reason or another whether it's practicality shooting in california because you know you're going to or whatever but that the the relationship to the place itself seems most of the time so much more incidental to stuff set in LA and and in New York it is this sort of extra character yes, right is this definitely. like you really that the the textural richness of that yeah. ends up creeping in and becomes this huge part of what makes the movie set in New York set in New York Very opposed so. to like Los Angeles you know unless you're a movie like LA Story or <laughs> even maybe Clueless where you're sort of like you are kind of satirizing right, things right. that everyone sort of has this universal eye roll understanding about LA, but it's a broader version of that. Yeah. When did you move to LA? I've been here for almost eleven years now. Okay, and it blows my mind. Have you seen seen Swingers since you moved here? Have I seen Swingers since I moved here? I don't. I don't think I have. You'd remember? I mean, I know the area code thing. I can remember now. I can look back and know things mean something different yeah. to me now. And the Brown yeah. Derby being like near right. where I live and all that. Right. But I should watch it again because I don't know if I've seen it. It's since. a documentary, yeah, on a number of levels. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the swing stuff is all super dated, but um, all the other little details uh, about the way they talk about like the acting bullshit in this town, yeah. is so specific. I need to rewatch and it. It's worth watching again. Yeah, I, I always, I always it recommend again. it when people uh, move to LA. It's like you know what you're going to get now for the first time. Yeah, like, really get yeah. is swingers. Well, I did feel that way even about LA Story, which was like 1992 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Still, so much of it is like, oh, it's drives really down to the mailbox and exactly. Then comes back up. Yeah, but I don't know. We could walk, and he just starts laughing. Walk, <laughs> 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 walk in LA. That's so sad. So terribly sad. All right, I got to get into this mash game, but I'm very excited to do so. I feel like I am. Um, I, you know, I customize these categories as much as I can. Okay. I, I'm sure everyone listening is like, now hold on, you really lean into the same like six, but. Um, 
I'm not going to give you something I don't think is going to mean anything to you, but I feel like we really covered a lot of ground. So I'm going to start with, um, hopefully you'll enjoy this. You can go into the world of three set in New York movies and they're real. So you sort of get, you get, you can experience the blank version of New York and blank version of whenever you want to, for whatever reason you want to. Okay. Three. Three movies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Taxi Driver because I never got to go on to the deuce when I was a kid. There you go. Get it, get it, and get it in the most intense way. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to catch some Kung Fu triple features. Great. Um, And just going to keep everyone from, make Mm -hmm. sure everyone keeps their hands to themselves. (laughs) I'm my age, right? I'm not a kid doing this. I'm going in this age. Correct. into that world. You into that world. Okay. Um, Um... I lived through Hannah and her sisters, so I'm not, I don't know if we can really count that. But that was a God, nice. That I was, a, was obsessed with that movie in yeah. high school. That movie's just a travelogue. Oh I mean, there's, there's a whole part of that movie where they just stop for a second, and go, "Hey, would you like to see some of my favorite buildings?" Yes, you you're absolutely yeah. right. You're and absolutely right. Sam Waterston right. takes them around, just shows yeah. them on this little easy. And it's just Midtown Manhattan because yeah. you know Woody is Woody. But um, uh, yeah, it's just like a little. You're absolutely right. Travelogue. It's like, kind of like the beginning building. of Midnight in Paris, where it's just like, oh, this is just ten minutes yes. of a video about Paris, Very like much just so. you know looking at it. Um, but uh, um, so you know, I'll back up because I was only about six when Annie Hall came out. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pick That's Annie great. Hall instead of that. So Taxi Driver, Annie Hall, which I think are within a couple years of each other. Great and, and then, couldn't and so desperate. It's great. And then I'll do um, Cassavetti's Shadows. Okay, um, which is like sixty, sixty-two, somewhere in there. It took years to shoot, but that's like a really interesting part of. Uh, I haven't of seen New that York. many Cassavetti's movies. I feel They're, like I tried to watch them too yeah. too early yeah. and was like, I don't, I get that this is like, you guys all have some great like inside click and right. you got a whole thing and I don't know what it is. You need to go see them in a theater. And you'll okay. have the chance. It's L.A. You know, yeah. you'll have a chance to see him on the big screen. But okay. if you sit down and try to rent uh, Women Under the Influence, you're yeah. going to get a little antsy and you're yeah. going to get up. And it's also a really uncomfortable movie to watch. Yeah. Um, you watch Jenna Rollins basically lose her shit for two hours. I think that is the hours. only movie I've seen. It's totally worth seeing. Yeah. But try to go see it at a theater. Like okay. the New Beverly does a double feature. Like sit your ass down. Well, now and, I want to see Shadows. And Shadows is cool because it's, it's New York. It's uh, It was just Cassavetes and a bunch of his actor friends from yeah. an acting class. Yeah. And they got to go, let's make a movie. How do you do that? I don't fucking know. Let's, here we go. And it's, it's very raw and yeah. meandering. Yeah. And there's like this kind of shoehorned thing about race relations it's fascinating yeah. i wonder what i would i feel like i would throw manhattan itself in there that in that movie it is in black and white and it would be so interesting and different <laughs> but that's one of those movies i'm sure i've said this on the podcast before or maybe not but that's one of those movies where i can come back to it five years five years ten years whatever and it's like almost a different movie to me like mm-hmm. whatever resonates for me mm-hmm is different. It, there's a different piece of it that like haunts me. Like, oh, you know, when as a, as a young person, I think I was like, oh, yeah, I have this way. sort of want no? to... Okay. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I was like, oh, the appeal of being with an older man and this right. sort of like being, getting a peek inside of like grown-up world. And uh-huh. that was always the fascination with the Allen movies anyway, right? You right. know, and so that sort of intellectual elitism and all that kind of stuff. And then like, being, you know, seeing it 10 years later and being like, oh my God, I really can connect with, you know, this character or this thing that happens. Yeah. I don't know why, like, it just feels like that the particular layers for that movie to me are very resonant. In it's a probably very the hardest way. one to watch now in hindsight, knowing all we do, yeah. all that is alleged, but it is a beautiful piece of work. Yeah. I mean, it is gorgeous to look at. Yeah. It really is. Um, so painterly mm-hmm. in the way it, it shows the city mm-hmm. and um, the music is all Gershwin and all great. And, uh, and then there's these wonderful little moments of like, 
It's that movie and Hannah where he plays a writer on a sketch comedy show. That's, that's right. clearly supposed to be SNL. That's right. And he's so frustrated with the gig, but yeah. he's still kind of drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why no journalist has ever kind of held his feet to the fire. Like, what's your, like, are you're interested in sketch comedy. Why yeah. are you, why do we not talk about this more? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Manhattan's a beautiful piece of work. Right after we moved here, we saw Manhattan and Annie Hall at a double feature at the New Beverly, which if you're not in LA is this terrific uh, revival house uh, yeah. in uh, in Hollywood that is actually now owned by Tarantino. Um, and the, uh, so we, we, it was, we'd moved here in January, maybe March or April. Uh, we took our friend Will Burson, uh, who had moved just a few months before us and we went to go see Annie Hall and Manhattan and then stepped out onto the street lined with palm trees and we're like, oh fuck, we might've made a horrible mistake. (laughs) Absolutely. This might've been the worst possible Ah. thing to do right now. You did all right. You did all right. Okay. Uh, next, uh, category is going to be, um, you can see, uh, at your leisure, at your discretion, and as often as you want, um, a band or like a singer songwriter that, uh, for whatever reason, now you probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do. It's just like, and at any night, in any time, you could be like, you know what? Let's just, I'm going to go around the corner and see blah, blah, blah. You know what? Who I never got to see, and there's such an 80s band, and there's such an 80s LA band. Yeah. And I remember they came to New York, but I was at summer camp. And I was unable to go see them. Mm-hmm. Um, Oingo Boingo. Oh, I never that's saw great. Oingo Boingo live. And that's great. Uh, I uh, loved those guys. And yeah. I still go back to those records occasionally. There's a record called Nothing to Fear. That, uh, so I think I'd see them on that tour. It's a great choice. Great <laughs> um, choice. And uh, I would see them uh, at the Ritz on 11th Street, which is now Webster Hall. Love <laughs> um, it. Love it. That's that's. That's first thing that comes to my mind, but I'm sticking to it. Okay, good. And now I need two more. I don't know how you're going to top that. Oh, you don't fuck. need to top that. Um See, the nice thing about living in New York is that, you know, your favorite band will show up. So I got yeah. to see I got to see a lot of people. What about been, a show you wish you could you I'll expand this category too to like I wish I could see that again now. Do you oh, know what I'm saying? Like it would be fun to be able to like there are a couple of shows I saw that were so great. It would be fun to be able to like kind of jettison back to them, I think. And maybe see it like with uh, with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Um well, it would have been interesting to see one of those Ramon shows at CB's when they were still arguing with with each other on oh, stage. There you go. That would have been really fun, I think. Absolutely. And I got to see the Ramones a few times um when they were playing larger theaters and it was before Dee Dee left, but it was they were still they were a machine by that point. They yeah. were like they were coming out, they do like a fifty five minute set of, you know, forty something songs. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and it was amazing. And you just you sweat your uh, eyeballs sweat. It was just the most intense thing. Yeah. But it would have been interesting to see like one of those shows at CB's where they still had the tables set up at CB's yeah. with the candles and like watch them bickering up on stage. Absolutely. That would have been really interesting. Because again, Great. I'm like, yes, I grew up in New York, but I'm not old enough to have like they were really strict about carding, so I didn't get into CBs till till 1987. Yeah, um, I would have loved to have seen like. Did you see Talking Heads? No, I'd have loved no. to have seen Talking. Yeah, Heads. Yeah, Talking Heads would have been or like great the Police, too. like young, hungry the Police. Yeah, there's a famous uh, story about them getting all their equipment stolen at CBs. Oh actually, wow. On their first American tour, oh, that God. would have been interesting to see them right before all that stuff got ripped off. Um, what else would have been cool to see? I, I took care of a lot of bucket list Good stuff. Like I've seen you. Dylan. I've seen. Yep, yep, uh, yep. I saw the Dead um, with uh, Christ with uh, uh, Brett Midland, who mm-hmm. was uh, only their uh, only their their second Dead keyboardist. <laughs> um, uh, oh, it would have been neat to see like one of the. Um, 
Oh, yeah. See, like one of the punk rock shows around here down on the strip, like at the Starwood yeah. or um, when the whiskey was still booking punk rock or the, you know, that Ukrainian uh, social club on Melrose. Yeah. Like East Melrose. Yeah. That place was like home to a bunch of black flag shows. Oh, and I stuff. didn't know that. That's funny. Um, uh, that would have been. Yeah, that's that because that's a really interesting era of, of punk rock, the whole L.A. scene in the early 80s, because um, uh, it's it's angrier than the British stuff. Um, and it's starting to discover pop hooks a little bit more, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so it, it's, it's a really interesting era of like, uh, of like Black Flag and, uh, X and the germs. And that, yeah. that would have been a really, oh, we would yeah, need to see one of those bills in like, um, I'm missing one of the places. There was the Starwood, there was the Ukrainian, the whiskey, but there's another place that there's somebody sitting in their car screaming at of their course, radio. Like, you mean works. the blank? Yeah. Um, uh, but one of those, one of those gigs, uh, okay. so I'll say black flag at the Ukrainian, uh, 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 social club. Great one. Um, perfect. Okay. Uh, okay. Next category will be, uh, gotta go with, um, the mash perennial classic, uh, w- three vacation homes, but it could also be, uh, totally fictitious, non-existent places that would, you would see in like movies oh, or, okay. or like middle Boss earth Isaac. or whatever. Um, you certainly could. Yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, even I own. <laughs> even I must draw a line. It's a wretched hive of scum. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'd love something up in the Bay Area. I'm, I'm not yeah. just saying that to flatter you. Uh, and your your uh, we accept your flattery. Um, uh, every time my wife and I go up there, we're just like, God, if we could do what we I do know, and live I up know, here, man. I know. It's, I still feel that way. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um. Here's the problem with me is that I am really comfortable in cities. So everyone's idea mm-hmm. of a vacation home is like I don't like sitting on a quiet. beach. It would get either. No, I like to. I like an amble. I like a. I, I would want to be in a place where I could still go to like a museum and sit in a cafe, and you yeah. know, I still want all that. Yeah. Um. Uh. It would be cool to have one of those like English country homes about an hour and a half outside of London. There you go. That would be nice. There you go. Um. So you could dip in and see some theater. Yeah. Great. Get back on the M1. Um, I need a third. Um, need a third. Just to really like cool my jets and because it would be good for me to... Oh, you know what? I loved... It's so cold though. Hmm. I went to school at Ithaca College. Mm-hmm. Um, and that area is beautiful. The Finger Lakes. Uh, well, you don't New have York. to go there when it's cold. It's your yeah, place. It's you can go whenever you want. Yeah. Ithaca, summertime by, by Lake Cayuga. Ithaca is a really Great. lovely little town. Love it. Okay. Um, Actually, you know who uh, I met uh, while I was in the guy? I met Andy Secunda, who's another uh, native yes! Manhattanite. Yes, yes. Another native God, guy, I haven't so. seen Andy in so long. Sandy Hardig, Andy Secunda. Who else are the people I know who actually grew up? Will Burson, who I mentioned earlier, he grew up right near uh, in like Lenox, uh, Morningside Heights, kind of right near Columbia. Um, but yeah, there's. Um, a lot of New Yorkers just kind of stay there. Yeah. They're like, well, listen, I'm in everyone's destination home. I'm just going to stay put. <laughs> no, know? I get it. I mean, I'm some gonna people sit on say this that about L.A. too. You know? I'm like, yeah. you, you can have 60 different versions of L.A. without ever leaving L.A. You can move and have different jobs and like keep having a, a, a weird, renewed, different experience totally. here. Um, totally. Okay, next category is uh, three things that aren't great for you. But in this alternate universe, they are. And that could be specific kinds of food or drinks or activities, anything like that. That's like, I'm not going to indulge in that to to a great degree here and now. But like, it'd be great if this didn't have any kind of bad effect. Um, 
first thing that comes to my mind is uh, a buddy of mine, another New Yorker who I met at college, a guy named Ed Sargent, posted on Facebook this morning a bacon-wrapped grilled cheese sandwich. There you go. Gorgeous. Let me explain that. That yeah, is a grilled cheese sandwich it. that has been wrapped in bacon. Oh, man. Like, like, is any of the sandwich showing through the bacon? No, no. Funny you should ask. <laughs> funny you should ask. You don't, it just looks like bacon a, a, a bacon brick, but then you envelope. cut it open and there's bread and cheese in there. Right. Great. Yeah. Bacon. Perfect. This is a perfect use of this category. Yeah. Uh, two more. Um, uh, um, you know, I, I quit drinking a few years ago and I, um, I don't really miss it because I've gotten so bad at it, but it would be great if I could get white wine drunk the way I did in my mid twenties. There you go. Where I would just be like, euphoric for four hours, go to sleep, wake up with a headache, and then boom, Coke and two Advil, and I'm right as rain. You I know. know. <laughs> if I could bounce uh, back absolutely. like that, that would be great. By the yeah. time I quit drinking, that was not the situation at all. Same, same. Um, did no, you quit I still, as well? Well, I did. I mean, I have not officially quit, but I, I have. We've all I have. That. I have yeah. not done it so much that like now. Right. One, I, I was. I, I expressed great pride in myself for finishing a vodka soda in New Zealand. Oh, wow. I was like, I had one whole drink. Wow. And no everyone kidding. else in the cast was like, you're an asshole. <laughs> We've had seven and we're fine. But yeah, I because because it did become, it's like the the, the narrowing of categories of, of things that I feel okay after has gotten so small, up yeah. to and including red wine. It's like yeah. now with red wine, I'll either get stuffed up immediately or like oh, I'll yeah, fall asleep and then three hours later I'll wake up with like heartburn in a sense of like oh, something's horribly wrong like yeah. just in, emotionally yeah it's crazy yeah the heartburn is another thing that's like Bully. the lamest Bully. reason to quit Bully. drinking but I was like then the acid reflux say uh, unpleasant um, I love this I love I love the bacon wrapped uh, sandwich I love the white wine drunk I just need one more the 19 the in I'm my excited. 20s in yes. my 20s white, white wine, wine drunk, drunk in your 20s yes circa 96 yeah um um, and, um, another thing that I wish I could do all things not, um, you know, I, I, my knees are not great, but I always looks, soccer looks fun. Yeah. And oh, I you know what? Like, I'll yeah. save that. I'm going to save that for a category of like sort of activities. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in that case, um, uh, you know, those enormous bags of kettle corn. Yeah, it that is. You get at a farmer's market. Oh. Those really enormous ones, the ones That's, that are like come yes. up to your waist. Oh yes, I'd like to just garbage bag full. kill that. You know what? I agree because I will say I will volunteer that I think popcorn is the best example of a thing that you can eat way too much of, and your stomach doesn't tell you you're done. Yeah, and then also has the worst impact. Yeah, like if I'm eating sugar halfway through, I start to already feel like all right, I should stop this. Yeah, I gotta wrap. But with this popcorn, up. I'm like, good, I am good to go, everybody. Yeah. And then like the drop off is so immediate and so like, yeah, yeah. But a lot of stuff can be eaten before that. Oh happens. yeah, you can do some real damage before you suddenly realize you've hurt yourself. Yeah, it's like it's like popcorn. getting drunk at a seder where you're just sitting there. <laughs> This, this is why I feel like I'm Jewish. But uh, like getting really loaded at a Seder and you're like, uh, oh, it's another plague, drink, another plague, drink. And yeah. then you stand up. You're like, oh, yeah. my God. I've made How did I get so shit house? Yeah. How did I get so shit house on Passover? Okay. Great. Next category will be three activities that uh, cause no physical pain whatsoever that um, suddenly you wake up tomorrow and you're just amazing at. Oh, um, okay. I'd love to be. I'd love to be a great soccer player. Great. Um, uh, I, I I would like to jump out of a plane. Great. Um, and I'd like to be a better. It would be fun to be a better dancer. Oh, agreed for me too. 
now I just revel in dancing poorly. Like I like that's lean into become like, I lean into like it's more fun now for me to like joke around and like mime activities like I'm baking cookies and dancing <laughs> than it is for me to like really get into it. What's she doing? What's she, oh she's cracking the egg. She's yeah, cracking the yeah. egg, guys. I get it's ve- it's good it's really good space work. Phenomenal. It's really, really good Phenomenal. space work. Phenomenal. <laughs> oh boy. Um okay, next category is uh all due respect to your beautiful wife. This is an alternate universe where you can have some sexy times. Okay. Or uh, alternate universe wife, whatever you want, with three people. Ideally, we know who they are, but it doesn't have to be from this era. It could be young Audrey Hepburn. could okay. be Debbie Harry, whatever. Okay. Well, goodness gracious. Um, Good luck whittling that down to three. Yeah, no kidding. Um, um, you know, well, why is Nico popping up in my head right now? It, it makes sense for everything we've been maybe, talking about. In that maybe time. Nico. Hang on, don't write that down. She seems um, so. She doesn't seem bland. like she'd be a lot of fun, though. Yeah. You know, she. Uh, I mean, she's. she's what do you want to do now? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not concerned, people. <laughs> I will have, this is my Bielstein. I will. Um, uh, oh my goodness! Um, I just got Facebooked by a, a girl I had a crush on. This is oh. crazy. I'm not going to say her name, but that's bananas. Look that at is that. A very weird coincidence. Weird. That's a junior high. Um, I actually, now that I think of it, played seven minutes in the closet with this young lady. Or however long you're in the closet for. And uh, that might have been the first uh, other person's tongue I had in my mouth. Well, hello. That's exciting. I'm going to make you wait for it. I'm going to make you wait for it. (laughs) Oh, I should Facebook him. He's on TV. No, you're going to wait for it a little bit, sweetheart. Um, uh, three women from another time. Um, all right. With all due respect well, to my have lovely to be, bride. You know, you no, could... but you know, all, all other things being equal. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, well, you know, because I'm nothing if not loyal and frankly, she still looks great. Yeah. Still went on a rider. Right. I don't care. Especially great. because she's crazy. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, one of the first things I saw her getting her prescription filled at the Rite Aid on Fairfax and uh, Sunset right after mm. I moved here and mm-hmm. I was just like Los Angeles <laughs> that was yeah. phenomenal getting yeah. her prescription filled this was perfect. at the height of the shoplifting scandal too it was a home run it's celebrity sighting perfect. home my, run my version of that which make makes far less sense but was as delightful for me was right when I moved here I saw Peter Falk get uh, an ice cream cone um, and he was wearing a denim jacket or like a denim shirt with a giant embroidered bald eagle on the back. That's and glorious. He ate the ice cream. See, we were sitting out, I think it was with Cole. We were sitting outside and we watched him sit and eat the ice cream. And then he went inside and got another ice cream cone. Because he's fucking Peter Falk. Because he's fucking Peter Falk. You know what he's not thinking of? Like, oh, yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah. No, he's just in there. I want another ice cream. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Um, but I don't, I, I don't even know. I mean, that's not as like iconic as... It's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, again, watch uh, watch Woman Under the Influence to see a great Peter Falk yeah, performance. Um, okay, so uh, Winona. Um, uh, uh, oh, who's the woman in in performance? Is that Anita Eckbert? <laughs> Hang on one second. Oh, this is uh, getting good. Uh, performance is that? What's that? It's what a it's a it's a a James Fox. Mick Jagger movie oh where uh, Mick plays a, a reclusive rock star. I've um, never even heard of it, I um, don't think. Nicholas Rogue, I want to say, is the oh, director. Yeah. You know um, what's going to sound incredibly nerdy? Mm. Nicholas Rogue is quite often a crossword clue from the New York Times crossword. I bet puzzle. he is. I bet R- he is. Unusual R-O-E-G. for unusual four letter names yeah. usually are. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Um, hang on. One that was second. very satisfying for me to be able to pull. Like, if I can't pull an actual understanding of his work, at least I can reference him as a Crawford clue. Well, rogue is really common, and then uh, three letter fish row comes up a lot You're too. Absolutely right. You're <laughs> that's absolutely another. Right. That's another Remember, Will the, Short the specialty. The most surprising one I've ever seen that got me the most excited to where I actually stood up like in surprise and and like cried out was greg barrett was a crossword clue one time really and like he's the best guy in the world but oh, i was like I, was like funny man blank barrett and i was like Aah! that's so great it was so cool my friend anna ortiz yeah. was on ugly betty yeah and yeah, she, yeah she's got uh her crossword i think i remember framed. that too she's got that's it framed great. in her house it's great um because you know it's a and a so yeah. anytime there's those little three-letter things yep, and it was yep. ugly maid star blank ortiz mm-hmm. and we were just so when I first met her, we were doing a series together. We used to do the New York Times crossword puzzle together. So when she got that, I just I, I know that's it the best great. ever. Uh, yeah, I think she was in performance. Anita Eckberg. Look I know her up. that name. Yeah, she was like she's like that perfect '60s voluptuous. Mm-hmm, like, good mm-hmm. lord, I'm sure I, I'm I have a picture in my mind. I bet it's her. Um, and uh, and um, uh, nineteen sixty Kim Novak. Oh, great, great. Yeah, that's another one where you which sort of go, I've just Holy completely smokes. like really just I mean it's just shameless how boob centric that list is. <laughs> I'm done pretending. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad it happened here. Oh, that's true. I hadn't really thought about that. It really, is boob centric? Yes, yeah, there sure is. Um, God, yeah. I remember having so many th- like thoughts to myself about Winona, which. I I understood even then, like, I know she's not a normal, like, trying to figure out, because I've never met her, trying to figure out the math in my head of, well, I know she's a very small person, so how, what size are her boobs right. in comparison to mine when I'm a normal-sized person? Right. Like, what if she just has, like, not very big, because everyone thought she had such big boobs, but I was like, but she's so small, you guys. Yeah. It might be that she just has normal-sized boobs on a tiny body. Good be good question. Good question. But it's all that's proportion. what comes from being uh, in the limelight is people wondering about your proportions, yeah, and yeah. how they relate to real life. Um, I think your she, I think, you know, she got accused of having work done, but I, I think she, I think that's just her. I think so too. I mean, I only ever remember her even as a young teenager having boobs. You can tell her in 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 yeah. Heather's, and she's seventeen in Heather's, and Agreed. you can tell that that it's there. Yeah, and in mermaids too. Oh, mermaids, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think even in uh, in Beetlejuice, although it's she's you know all Wearing dressed in her, black yeah. and the whole goth yeah. thing. No, I think you're absolutely. right. I haven't looked carefully enough in Lucas, but I'll rewatch. <laughs> I'll go back into I Lucas. I need you to do that research. I need you to do that research. Uh, okay, um, uh, I've got two final categories. This next category is going to be um, three three people three creators of some kind uh, could be them artists directors musicians whatever that uh is from any era that are like your bud like three people that you're like i can't believe bo you know david bowie just called john response you know like it's cool i was just like around the corner with blah 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 like having a beer Oh, there's something so otherworldly about Bowie that I don't know that I could. I know I he's be probably friends not with him, you know. Yeah. And there's something just so like he's one of those guys where anytime you hear him give an interview, like oh, you speak like a normal person. Yeah, you don't speak. You don't have like a built-in echo and reverb <laughs> yeah. when you talk. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Hendrix is one of those guys, yeah. and Bob Marley are one of those guys. Where anytime you hear an interview with them and they're just speaking, yeah, and you're just like, oh, you just. Talk like you're a, person. a person. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like all those people I mentioned, I admire, but I, I don't know that I want to yeah. be friends with them. Yeah, this um, is like a chum. This is going to sound super pretentious, but I'm going to make a couple quick points before. Okay. 
I'm the guy I'm going to say is one of those directors that people are always pointing out as like, that's, you know, a master of cinema. But if you read interviews, he didn't really speak English, but if you read interviews, he's actually a down to earth, cool guy who wanted to make entertaining movies Okay, and did so, but it would have been cool to have a been fluent in Japanese and be friends with Akira Kurosawa. Great. That's not pretentious. Um, any time, but obviously that peak year of like like fifty to sixty, where it's like Seven Samurai and Rashomon and Yojimbo, yeah. and, and yeah. that whole run of like really fun samurai movies that are actually really they're like you know they're they're film school uh, must haves, but they're actually really accessible, entertaining movies considering yeah. they're sixty year old Japanese black totally. and white films. Um, so Akira Kurosawa, it's I put great. on there. It's great, great, great. Um, it would have been uh, it would. Hmm. I don't know why this is popping into my head. I heard an amazing Walter Matthau story. Yeah. The other day. Oh my God. I would totally, I think that would be a great person. And Matthau's interesting because <clears throat> there was that run there in the 60s and 70s where Matthau was a leading man. Mm-hmm. And like critics would, Unlikely. There, there was a critic who, would, who said he has a face like an unmade bed. And he looks like a Sharpay. He does. He's so great. But I think it would have been cool to be friends with, uh, love with it. Walter Matthau. I love it. The story I heard was that he and his wife, who it was not a Hollywood marriage, they were together for like 50 years. Yeah. She buried him. You know, they were, yeah. they, were, they were together for a really long time. But as such, they would have these arguments. And they were touring Poland one time. And they had this really gnarly fight in the morning. And they had a tour scheduled at Auschwitz. Oh, my God. So they go to Auschwitz. And they're not speaking to each other. And they get back in the car, and she starts the fight again. And he turns to her and goes, you ruined Auschwitz. (laughs) (laughs) And I just heard that story from my friend Leslie Grossman a couple days ago. And I died laughing at that story. So I think I would want to be friends with uh, Walter Matthau. I'm pleased because we (laughs) finally got the word Auschwitz into this podcast episode. And it, it took too long considering that you're married to Jamie Denbo. Oh, I know. Um, Again, it's I feel like first. that came up within 15 minutes. No, that's uh, that's, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, and, and she talked about it on your show too. I mean, she has this thing and I have this thing and this is something, okay, you want to hear another reason why people think I'm Jewish? Because what Jamie and I have in common is that neither of us can remember a time when we didn't know about the Holocaust. Yeah. And that's growing up Jewish and yep. growing up in New York. Yep. Like I do not remember a time. I don't know. You I don't remember being explained exactly. what the Holocaust was. Exactly. I just remember, and I don't know who did it. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably my dad, but I don't yeah. know who, who provided me with this information, yeah. but yeah. So, um, yeah. Auschwitz can't be ruined. Um, and amazing. The third person. I don't know. What do people say? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. Uh, is this a, is this a recurring? Do you, do you use it all the time? I don't use it all the time. Sometimes people just go for the gusto and they're just like Gandhi, Obama, blah blah blah. Right, right. Um, I always oh, say. I, think, I bet Obama. And I, would I would always. I mean, you probably would. I always say like, I love Emma Thompson. I wish you were my best friend. Oh, Emma um, Thompson would be cool to be yeah. friends with. I mean, you can take her if you want her. Emma Thompson would be cool Emma to be Thompson. friends with. <laughs> I'm at, what, uh, what am I going to go with Emma Thompson? I think I am. You really can because she's the coolest person in the she's world. She's the coolest. She's person not the person that pops in everyone's mind, but then once you say it, you're like, oh fuck, she really. No, is I'm the a best. fan. I'm a total yeah. fan, and I, I uh, uh, there is actually recorded proof of a record I cut. Um, uh, my old band, uh, we cut a record where there's a spoken word uh, part, uh, and I remember very specifically. Uh, 
it was the sort of fantasy sequence where the guy in the song uh, has his dream car and he, he's got Emma Thompson in the car with him. So, okay, all right. You know what? You, you, I come got by it, it. you got it. I, I, then I'm happy to donate her. We're, no, we're sharing her. We're, we're sharing, sharing her. This is like, that's true. I'll be coming we're, over all the time. What am I yeah, worried about? This yeah. is great. Okay. And then final category will be for you. Um, God, what is left? I feel like I've covered so much good territory. Let's go superpowers. Oh, wow. For your superpowers. Superpowers. I would love to fly. I know everyone says that, but I really would like to fly. Mm, there's a reason because it would be fucking awesome, right? And um, um, it would be cool to um, uh, um, I'd like a power where like they give you. You're not in L.A., right? Yep. yep. You're somewhere in the middle of the country, and you order an iced coffee, and they give it to you, and you can see through it. And it's yes. not a strong iced coffee. I want the power to like just be able to shoot a shot of espresso into it with my finger. <laughs> okay. Just, just red eye it. Just bang. Great. Um, great, 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 great. Just shoot it into opacity. Yeah. And then like, that's a fucking cup of iced coffee there. <laughs> not this fucking iced tea you're throwing at me. Um, goddamn hillbilly. Um, there you go. There so, you go. Yeah, flying. Uh, shooting espresso. espresso from my fingers. <laughs> Uh, and, um, uh, um, uh, uh, it's hard because some of them are like, you don't want to say invisibility because that always sounds creepy. I mean, um, yeah. It's like, what do you what do, do you, with yeah, that? Do do it's with like a cool thing, but how does that get used? Some with like ESP stuff. It's like, Ooh, yeah. how do you not? Oh, I don't want, you ESP. know what I'm saying? I yeah. I don't want ESP. I, I will tell you now that I've also, uh, offered up Emma, I would also go with super speed because I do think it would be really fun to be I able to just like zip all over that, the place. You know? Wouldn't it be satisfying if you were on the ground and you were just like, zzz, 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 zzz. maybe not. That seems like the ideal you know way for me to run into something. <laughs> Response. That seems like an ideal way that for me to break my nose. That is coming from someone who wants to be on a bike all the time because biking is faster than running. So right. the idea of like being able to run as fast as I bike is very appealing. It makes perfect sense that that would hold zero. Like that it would hold the same, not hold the same appeal. I'm thinking again as a yeah. New Yorker of like me going right into great. a lamppost. <laughs> so true though. I, would I mean, too. I did that. I ran into a lamppost when uh, I was a kid and cut my head open uh, 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 on dinner with my dad. And um, uh, he had like, we had Thursday night dinners after the divorce. And I remember I walked down, they used to have those little tiny police call boxes on the uh, on the lamppost. And I cut my head open on that and had to get us in. You know, bled like a stuck pig. It was yeah. horrible. I'm sitting there oh, at like, the Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt Hospital emergency room. Um so that's and that was me just walking normal speed. So super speed that would just happen all the time. No fair, veto the fair, super fair, speed. Fair, fair, Vetoing fair, the fair, super speed. Very fair. Um, what about like um, uh, healing kind of stuff? I'd like a healing power. I'd right? love. I'd love a healing power. Would be great. Yeah. Um, I was thinking. I was just thinking of. Uh, I think it's Swamp Thing who can do that. Amazing. Um, uh, then you have to look like Swamp Thing. Nope. Not nope. You. No. I you just have, have a superhero. To. Hold that's on. Correct. Deal breaker. That's correct. No, you do not have to look like Swamp Thing. Um, I think that that would be fun because you know my, my my kids. You know, yeah. Stub their toes or skin their knees. I'd love to be able to like. Zoop, you're all better. Take it away. Go I think play. it's great. Okay, great. Um, all right. Now all I need is just um, my means by which I will figure out which of these you end up with. So tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause this. Do a little bit of. Uh, I don't know what you call this. I sometimes I say calculating. That's there's no math involved. Okay. Uh, I will come back with your 100% guaranteed mash future. Okay. I want to reassure the listener. 160 episodes or so in, you know that they will seem as if no time has passed for you. I need to go down uh, uh, 
on record as well saying that I think um, your reasoning and the stories behind all of the choices that you made are some of my all-time favorites in every in any game of MASH I've played. Oh, that's what you um, say. That was like that was like a, it could have been its own separate episode there was so much great stuff in there um and you and 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 listen you you got some great results there's a it's very there's a kind of wide disparate series of things going on which i think is great because you're experiencing all kinds of different stuff um number one i gotta get this out of here right away you are a fantastic soccer player Oh, great. That's oh, very, great. I think that's very oh, pleasing. Good. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but not only can you play soccer like a champ, you can also fly. Oh, good. Not good. to be, not to, I mean, I hope that that doesn't like it, sully violate make FIFA it. rules. But I then mean, again, their I, rules are pretty shaky anyway. Yeah. So. I don't, if you're just like, if you're running, if you're running swiftly and, People aren't really realizing that your feet aren't touching the ground. I think maybe you can oh, somehow thing, get away yeah. with it. Yeah, um, uh, it's very easy for me to imagine you sort of at practice and/or enjoying um, uh, time with your teammates in the Bay Area, which is where you uh, have a beautiful apartment. Right. Um, but I think it's fantastic. You uh, can also, if you need a break from that uh, or from LA, you can dip right into uh, the world of shadows. Oh, great. Good. Very exciting. And that seems like the kind of um, experience that you would want to talk about with your very good friend, Mr. Kurosawa. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Really good. I'd probably call him sensei, even though we're friends. But yeah. I mean, he would probably. It would be like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sensei. It'd be like, it started out as a joke, but now I actually call him sensei. Right, right. Um, You uh, have also seen a a very early Ramon show. Great. Great. and I don't know if you saw that with your um, beautiful alternate universe girlfriend, Kim Novak, oh, circa 1960s. Good. But um, certainly you spend as much time with her as you would like and right. uh, eat as many bacon-covered grilled cheese sandwiches as you can possibly stomach. Yeah, I had a feeling that one was going to make the cut. You got it. Yeah. You oh, got good. it. Good. This is good. good. Really good stuff. That's a lot a, to look forward that's to. That's a lot to look forward to. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a good life. Yeah. That's a life of excess. It, it is. By anyone's standards. It is. It is. <laughs> but the soccer is going to help oh, a, a lot. Oh, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, thank you so much for doing the podcast. What, Jenna, a, what a pleasure and a joy. What a total oh pleasure. my God. It was a total blast. Um, anything that you uh, would like to tell the nice uh, people about? I know that they can follow you on Twitter. They can follow me on Twitter at John Ross Bowie and, and I'll, I'll fill them in with the details, but mm-hmm. as, yeah. Uh, it's summertime. It's summertime. It's a yeah. deadly quiet time. Are you auditioning much? No. Super quiet I'm, right I now. love it, though. I love not auditioning. I don't mind it. That's I mean, right. I really... Yeah. It's bad when you're in a place where you get an audition and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, I should be like, oh, great. Right. Activity. Yeah. But it's also summer. And, it's summer. Uh, yeah. Let's just it's, enjoy um, this uh, summer. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, it's funny. I just... I, I did a, a, a day on a movie the other day, but it went... The way it went down, I was like, I don't think I'm going to survive the uh, cut. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm going to be in the finished product, so I'm yeah. not going to plug that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like I've had that. I, 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 that feeling feels is a very powerful feeling. I don't fall to my own. I was just yeah. like, what is this scene yeah. doing here? <laughs> no, I totally. Do you need I this so for the rest of the movie person. to make sense? Yeah. Could you give me a vital piece of exposition that can't be, uh, <laughs> that must remain? And usually I'm really lucky with, with, with movie roles, and like I have like... I, I step in. I'm like, listen to me. Your act two won't make sense. You know, right, I have, right, like, that, right, I have right. that. Yeah, part. you're good. You I've are. Been you're very, very right. lucky. Yeah. Um, but this is not the case with this one, so I'm not going to plug it because right. I don't want to further jinx it. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Unless it unless it comes through. Yeah. Um. Uh. There is one final piece of business. Um. And I I'm sorry to have to throw it at you, but it is a tradition of the Boys of Summer series, which is one or both of us, but certainly involving you, singing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Okay. 
Do you remember that song? Out on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Little voice inside my head said, don't look back. You can never look back. Uh, oh, I thought I knew what love, love was. was. What, what did, did I, know? I know? Terrible lyric. I know. <laughs> Those days when are gone, gone forever. forever. I should, should just let them go. But I can see you. Your brown skin shining in the sun. You got, you got your, your head hair pulled back and hair pulled back. Like, well, you know what? He has that. He does a few different ones. It's right. that thing where it subtly changes, and then you're like, eh, I don't know what chorus there's we're on because there's a million subtle about Don Henley. But, all right, <laughs> you're absolutely right. They stab it with the steely knives, corrected. and they still can't kill the beast. No, no, there is nothing <laughs> subtle about Don Henley. Um, but his loyalty remains with the uh, consistency of the final line of the chorus, which is, uh, "I can tell you, my love for, for you, you will still be strong." strong. After the boys of summer have gone. Yeah. You did it. You're a champ. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, guys. Talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.